Welcome to the Countdown Podcast and our review of Babylon for you. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Straight into it then for what in Australia is this brand new epic period comedy drama that actually came out about four weeks ago in the United States. So Does that mean it's technically a 2022 film? It is technically a 2022 <laughs> film. Just not for us. It's directed by and written by Damien Chazelle. He of Whiplash and La La Land and First Man fame. Mm-hmm. Stars Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, Gene Smart, Jovan Adipo, Brilliant. Lee Yun Lee, Wicked. <laughs> and a host of bit players who you'll have seen in lots and lots of other films. It is 189 minutes long, three minutes shorter than Avatar Coal on the Way of Water. It's box office, a paltry $15 million. Wayne, off what kind of budget do you think Babylon was made for? All right. Three hours long, big set pieces. Brad Pitt, Maggie, Robbie, fucking someone else. Um, <laughs> I don't know the, the Hispanic guy. Oh, shit. 200? 78 to oh. $80 million. Wait, and Operation Fortune was 130? Yeah. And this was like 80 uh-huh. million? Someone Well, that's up. what the original Operation Fortune budget was stating online. They removed that from the Wikipedia page now, so I don't know where that was an error. Oh, well, 70 or 80 is not too bad for this. Yeah, but the fact that you think it looks... Oh, no, that's a good sign, right? You think it looked like a 200 million yeah. film. Okay. But again, yeah, okay. All right, fair enough. Well, there you go. That would be surprised. a big investment in, in this kind of film. It's not a superhero movie. It's not an action film, so... I suppose. Yeah, it's just a lot... Yeah, okay. Yeah, All right, okay. so a bit off the mark now, but Wayne, what is Babylon about? Okay, it is a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. This film traces <laughs> the rise and fall of multiple characters during the era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood right around the time that silent films started to evolve into talkies. It is, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to why that was uh, so easy to describe for a three-hour, nine-minute film. We'll get there in a moment. On Rotten Tomatoes, this holds a approval rating of 55% based on 310 reviews with an average score of 6.4 out of 10. On Metacritic, the weighted score 61 out of 100 based on 60 critics. And audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of C plus on an A plus to F scale. So there now. you go. Before we even get to the film, mm. can we talk a bit about the premiere? Absolutely. We went to a promo. I stuck it on Facebook in case you're in the listener community, which you should be if you haven't. Hit, hit up the show notes mm-hmm. on the link. Link's below. in there? Yes. Amazing. Put on by um, Natalie Cameron and NRC. Uh, very, very impressive. Thank you for so much for the invite, Natalie. Very brilliant. There was modeled women hanging from half moon type chandelier situations. People were dressed up a lot and there was people on mics and interviewing people and champagne and cock. Fantastic. It was, you're encouraged to, to dress up and a, a large number of people did. Some of us had to come straight from work so it wasn't quite possible. Exactly. But yes, a lovely affair. So thanks again, Nat. Very impressive. And then we get into the cinema and yeah, there's some popcorn and, and a drink. Take a beer or, or, cock, or yes. cocktail in with you. Then there's this jazz band playing oh. Are You Gonna Be My Girl? And it's like a fucking eight, nine piece. It's yeah. not a small band. It's like they're, they're, they're playing like shit in front of the screen. And Absolutely. I'm like... Look at this shit. We're they they really put it on and did, really did a great, great show. So the mood was set. It was very busy. It was one of the biggest cinemas in Perth and it was pretty full. Like oh, not yeah, every no. seat, but There's, certainly well attended. Yes. Definitely. So that was what we were walking to. That was the setup. The question is, how was the film? Wayne, what did you think of Babylon? Okay, so if I'm trying to make sense of this film and its purpose and what it was done for, and it seems like this to me, and I hate this term, by the way, I feel like it's supposed to be the director's love letter to Hollywood. Um, ever uh, since yep. its early days and to now. And I think it started pretty great. 
I actually liked it very much. Like I was sitting there going, okay, yeah, they're in the I'll desert or whatever, and there's an elephant shitting on someone. You know, it's <laughs> like it's like it's 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 interesting to watch, right? <laughs> Not that specifically, but you know, and that was good. And well, it's like <laughs> at least three days as I watch an elephant shitting on someone <laughs> on YouTube. Thank God for Babylon. Yeah, well, this is it. It has excellent scenes in it. Okay. There are yep. moments in there. For example, the sort of first act is like this very extravagant party at this dude's house. And all these famous folks are there, and it's the absolute most. It looks like fucking Rome. Like it looks like um. Well, that's sort of the first sequence. The first act is is contrasting that side, the debaucherous, completely over the top, ridiculous, apparently lives that the Hollywood stars lived circa nineteen twenty six. Yes. With how professional they were on the job on the day. So they were getting. So Brad Pitt's character is the is the. Silent film star, yes, and he's so good at his job, he can be smashed off his brain, high as a fucking kite, and walk out and just nail the scene. Well, I think it's either that he's so good at the job, or it's a silent film, well, so and you easy. can't pick up shit on it, you know. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing about this: the idea that you always hear about Hollywood excess, even now, even before, even sure. especially in the fifties, and but you never hear about it in like the I assume twenties or wherever this was. No, which is, well, how would have word got around? Word got around via the Gene Smart character who writes scandalous sort of gossip exactly. columns about shit. So to see in you know like the actual supposedly real life how these silent film stars were they as notorious as the you know well, sort of like makes sense I, I, I honestly believe that it's not like things are any worse these days just that they're so much easier to report on and get like see the, the recent stoush on the Gold Coast with Michael Clark and his girlfriend and and Carl Stefan whatever the guy is what in. happened so Michael Clark ex-Australian yeah, cricket captain good, yeah. he, he and his girlfriend got in a public bust up where she slaps him for sleeping with his ex-girlfriend and calls him a fucking dog and then the guy who hosts the day show yeah. uh, he's her brother-in-law so he steps in to try and break it up and Really? Yeah. I didn't hear about this. Well, it's all over the fucking news and he's okay. going to lose his job and whatever else and blah, blah, blah. Carl? And, no, no, no. Oh, my, Carl. Oh, um, okay. Michael Clark and his commentary gig for, for India potentially. That shit, no one would have known. No one would have known 20 years ago. Exactly. But let alone 100 years ago. But that's what interests me. Were silent films so lucrative for studios back then that you can have these people living like this and this industry living like that? I guess so. Do you think it was easier to cover up the death of someone who inadvertently OD'd on coke at your Most party definitely. in 1926? And I think that's why... Now? Yeah. Yeah, that's why it was so debaucherous because it could be, mm. right? It was like the... And like I said, it was like Rome. But and it's um, in your face stuff. Like this is, this is unapologetic. Literally, we had two women next to us get up and walk out and never come back. Yeah. Only about an hour into this movie. Yeah. Which I think is the best hour of the film. The first hour. Absolutely. I think it opens big. Like I said, it started really good. And that that scene, I, I read the, that Damien Chazelle shot on film. There's no digital shit here. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff you're seeing is 700 extras doing shit in the background. Wow. Take after take after take. I think his, his methodology is even old school Hollywood, if you know what I mean. So there's all of that thing. I liked all of that, okay? And then it also talks, I mean, then, and then what I find is that the film goes pitchy. It then goes like, there's long moments where there's not a lot of development. Ugh. And then there's a, an amazing scene, like them trying to film the first sound enabled for this, scene. For this studio. Right, and that scene was amazing. It I was, was like, that was the shit. That I was 10 like, minute sequence of Margot Robbie yeah, losing trying, her shit. Losing her shit. Along with everyone else on the set losing their shit. Oh, it was, was great. Hilarious. Really, really, really cool. good. Really captivating. And I'm like, wow, that, that, that alone. Probably worth the price of admission. But in between, Wayne, yes. this Go is on. a film. Here's my big criticism. This film has no plot. Has no plot. It's, it's basically, 
It's singing in the rain reduxed. Now they even yeah. they even have a singing in the rain song in the film. And you look back and you realize this is just the same. It's telling the same story, mm-hmm. but with less plot driven. It's just five characters, three of the main ones, two kind of more slight peripheral ones, who bounce in and out of the narrative and influence each other consciously and unconsciously, deliberately and accidentally. Mm-hmm. And there's just no like through line at all other than oh time's progressing and Hollywood is changing and well, for me it wasn't enough to hang my hat on like there's no driving element other than oh well Nelly wants to become a superstar and Jack wants to hang on to his superstardom and Manny what, yeah. Manny is climbing through the system and I, I can't remember his name Samuel Joseph the trumpet player by oh, the yeah, way yeah. Darren Shell wants to fuck a trumpet this man the number of shots where it zooms into the He's, Big thing of yeah. a trumpet? Fuck me. No, he's he's the jazz guy, man. Oh. He's like, you know. That's... And then the early burlesque performer, I don't know what to call her, entertainer, sort of night entertainer. The Asian girl. The Asian yeah, woman. Yeah. She's sort of, bou- like, it's just them bouncing off each what other. What it is, it's a, it's a rise and fall movie with almost every main character rising and falling. Oh, almost everyone. And like I said, the point of this is... A little bit of a circle jerk about oh, Hollywood. A little bit. Okay. By the end of the film, this film becomes <laughs> so far stuck up its own fucking ass. The last 15 minutes of this film are all right. Are among some of the most painful film watching I've ever seen. Some of the worst filmmaking I've ever seen. Unbelievable that, that it thinks it, it did enough to earn that ending. Okay, so... Let, we can't talk about let's it now. Let's talk about it now. Okay, let's just say that they basically... What, uh, what I will say is that it feels like a terrific... What might have been a, have been a terrific two-hour film crammed into three hours? You mean, okay, you mean stretched out into three? Yeah, hours. stretched out, right? So it's like it's full of fits and starts. Some of the direction is, on some cases, like for that party, that direction is amazing. The cinematography to catch all of those people yep. and do all those things and have all the cues hit—that was amazing. But sometimes it's haphazard. It sort of toggles between wildness and then tedium, and then like. The characterizations are somehow thin in places where you're yeah. like, like for instance, Brad Pitt's character. He's always the, I, I call him like the Clark Gable of the, of this yep. this kind of time. And while he has some issues because he has close relationships with some people and maybe not with others, and it's he's still that guy the whole time. You know, Margot Robbie is trying to come up, and she's actually great in this film as well. I think she, I think all the performances are yeah, fine. I don't have any problem with the performances. In yeah. This movie. So, I mean, everyone's doing their job pretty well. It's just that the thing didn't need to be three hours long. It's boring. Got boring. It gets fucking boring. It's too long. It's too drawn out. You don't care enough about them because you're right. Performances are good other than probably Nelly and definitely Manny. Manny goes through. You absolutely see a lot of Manny's development and you can get behind him. He probably, de- he, he's the, the biggest arc. Yes. For sure. And, and the most profound and, and affecting arc yeah. in the film. Agree. But the trumpet dude, like... What, what the fuck's up with that? Well, that I, was... I, it, it makes me uncomfortable. The two minority... Well, Manny's a minority character too, I guess. You know, Latin American. But like these two, the African-American dude and the, the Chinese-American woman, they're so sidelined in the, in the narrative. It's like, well, why? Either have them or don't. I don't know that there's... I don't know that I feel that they're sidelined. There's definitely... A, the, 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 the trumpet guy, he was definitely a, a story. Like, it wasn't as big as the other two or the other three. No. But then again, he wasn't as big a star. But that's wasn't what I'm saying. Big... It feels a bit weird. To the me. thing is, there was a lot of characters. So even in a three-hour film, you've only got enough time to sort of make sure that Brad and Margot earn their paycheck. And, and, and again, Brad's already a superstar, so it's really just his gradual decline into obscurity. Yes, and him not being able to handle it. And then there's that, which is an age-old story. Yep. Now, what I think is the 
is the real issue is that, and we'll get into how it ends in a minute, but that particular ending, what the fuck was that? Like, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, what is he trying to say and what is he trying to make this movie about, you know? And I, th- I thought it was handled particularly badly at the end. I thought that whatever you're doing there is like wildly out of step with this movie, but also, what the fuck are you trying to tell me? Now it's become about something else. It's just weird. Yeah, I think the message of this film gets very confused. Yeah. Very confused by the end, but we'll have to wait for spoilers. The other thing I want to say is this is, to me, a little bit like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Uh, okay. In that it's about Hollywood at a particular time. Yeah. It's- and it's following a bunch of random characters and how they intersect and whatever else. But Tarantino is it's about a similar length film. I think it's slightly shorter, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. But... He's got such a better grasp of pacing and engaging development of characters and most importantly, dialogue yep. that that film, although I, I remember you didn't love it the first time you watched it. I you, didn't, you, but you I liked grew, it the second time. And you time. grew, to, grew yeah. to enjoy it. That film hangs together so much better than this film, which has a lot more going for it in terms of razzmatazz and look at me and wow factor. That's what it is. But it's disappointing. Yeah. The, this film has sort of more eye-popping, well, has several eye-popping moments and really electrical, electric scenes, but they're few and far between yeah. and, and, and it doesn't hang together quite as well. And helped by an incredible score. This score by regular Chazelle collaborator Justin Hurwitz, I think his name is. Okay. Is just phenomenal. I downloaded a whole bunch of tracks. It's phenomenal. Like Really? And interestingly enough, I read somewhere as well that like Nelly's dress that she's wearing and indeed a lot of the costume choices aren't period accurate, which was a deliberate choice. Yeah, that's fine. It's meant to be a bit more racy and a bit more modern in that sensibility. He didn't want that very staid, very kind of Well, 20s fashion was zoot suits and stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't look like that did. That, no, and it's good. Yeah. I think it was a good choice because it looked good. No, it, I'm not, I'm not, you I'm not knocking it. it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That kind of it, it explains something which wasn't quite sitting in my head. Yeah, yeah. It's like Deadwood where they, they curse and say the F-bombs and this and that. Yeah, Apparently that back in the day, they never actually talked yeah. like that. So, But yeah, Justin Hurwitz's score, incredible. So that... that Bump my score a full half a star alone. So okay, all right. Look, I think probably talked around. It, yep. It's a very, as you say, patchy, very all over the place film. Some bits are great, some bits are incredibly frustrating. The end is god awful. Yep. Let's get into talking <laughs> about that on the other side of Jack. You can't handle the truth. And the truth is that I guessed it on Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast podcast the other day to count mm-hmm. down the top five films of the year along with Dan from Netflix and Swill and, yeah. and Lindsay, a North Carolinian critic. Fun. And Gerald had this as his number two film of last year. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. What did he say, Paul? Loved it. Loved every second. I thought it was amazing homage to, to the love of film and cinema. Yeah, there it is. The love letter to Hollywood. Yep. All right. Look, you know what? That's fine. Yeah, well, obviously, Joe enjoyed it. We're not having a shot at him for enjoying no, it. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, no, I'm not wow, saying that. I'm what? saying that. But what? What? Okay, so you could argue that Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his love letter yes. to Hollywood, and that worked like a motherfucker. This right here. Let's just get to it, Paul. The fucking ending. Go on. After this eye-popping spectacle of a show in places, he ends with this epilogue that I guess, in its way, tries to explain the film. But what, in fact, it is is a it's just a really rough, jumpy cut of films from, I guess, the 20s through to even Avatar and stuff. They're just yep. putting scenes in going, cut, 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 cut. And as an audience member, you're going, oh, this guy's crying in the cinema, puts his head down, and now I'm seeing Hollywood develop through its film over the next hundred years or whatever, right? And I'm like, okay, but why? 
I'm I as an audience member, I'm going. You're just sticking shots in here now, which looks really disparate to the rest of the film because what the fuck? And then that's how it ends. And I'm like, this is shit. That was a shit move. That was a shit idea. <laughs> I think it's all on Manny to to understand that sequence, or at least my read of it is he goes in 1952, so 20 years-ish, yep. yep. 18, 20 years out. He's had to run away from LA because he's going to be murdered in a very entertaining little cameo from Tobey Maguire oh, yeah. as this, this mob. He's a producer. Is he? Oh, okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. As a, a yeah, mob boss in the area yep. and- Crazy mob boss. Yeah, yeah, and it does a good job. And it, that almost becomes a Quentin Tarantino film for that half an hour. That scene where they went into the caverns of whatever mm-hmm. the hell it it's is. Debaucherous, the ninth layer of hell, the nine layers of hell. Yes, was like, hell. was like, what? That was actually one of the best, worst, best like bits in the film because I'm like, this is, now it becomes, yeah, you're right. It becomes like a sort of like a Pulp Fiction-y kind of thing. Yeah. Where the fuck are we going kind it's of thing. It's so all over the place, this movie. I cannot emphasize that enough, which makes sense in a 189 minute film, I guess, but it's just not tight enough. Like, uh, it is fun. The first half an hour is genuinely funny in places. And yeah. You find yourself even laughing when they're trying to get rid of a, a of the body of a prostitute who's over, overdosed on what. And like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I am because it's played uh, it's for played laughs. Played like that. It's played like that. That's and, fine. You know. And then some excellent sequences of Manny trying to go and get a camera, and the guys like, "Which camera? This one? This one? <laughs> Which yeah. one?" See, funny. Gets back the over-the-top German directors losing his shit at people, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You saved my movie. I love you." He kisses him on the yep. lips. All that stuff's great. Yeah. It's a, the first act is fucking wicked. And I'm like, okay, this has got this is, a, and then it just goes boom off a yep, cliff. That's it. And so, then it just completely hits a wall at the end, mm-hmm. at the very end. Nelly's sort of it's again over the top. It's shot in a weird way, not of the time, but almost like a yeah. Chanel advert from the 1980s or 90s when she's you know single tear, single tear now. She's so good an actor, she can do that. That stuff's all great. That is all great. Even the, like I said, it just it just dissipates as it goes on. And you know what? You're talking about Manny there, where he goes into the cinema and he sees. Oh, the sorry, show. I, got, I was coming all the way back around, but to say, please, yeah. So he's escaped. He's lived through all this. He's gotten away. He's come back, and he goes to watch Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. which is now hitting on moments of this film. And that's yes. where I realized, hang on, no wonder it felt like Singing in the Rain because we're just getting those moments from a different story's perspective, which I don't think is a problem. Uh, anyway. it's, if, at least he's and referring he's crying. to crying. That's other the people are laughing, and then we get into this: uh, Is it in his head? What the fuck is going on? He's not really on the screen because these things haven't happened yet. No, that's for the audience. But by the end of that sequence, that montage, now he's smiling because film has saved him. There, now it's bullshit. See, I don't so know. that's my best reason. No, well, what, I, first of all, him crying, I didn't fucking the cinema, get it. Cinema, Hollywood. Yeah, I didn't get it though. He starts crying because he remembers all the shit that he went through in the twenties and stuff like that. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if that really rings true. And then you see the cuts of all the modern films, and then he smiles, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened there? Yep. So it's just a weird it just misstep. Feels so far. It feels so far up its own ass. Like on the one hand, he's he's been critical of it. He's you know he's saying. This is a to quote from Al Pacino in Any Given Sunday's character. It's a short life, but it's a goddamn glorious one. So enjoy it while you can. Yeah. If that was the message of the film, well done, Tick. Nothing lasts forever. Everything changes. It wasn't handled like that though. But like, but I don't think that's really what. Then no. It, then, then it's also going having a go at like, well, no one's forever. No one is eternal, and you know you can't you can't be on top all the time. And, and that's also a reasonable message. But then it gets into this kind of harsh critique of Hollywood and the studio system, and they're all assholes. And what? So I, it's so all over the place. Uh, if you if you were to draw anything from this, it would be that the di- director loves cinema and the idea of cinema, if not the idea of Hollywood. That's the all. That's the best thing I can yeah. take from this. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like he celebrates cinema while 
directing Hollywood. My understanding is he stepped in to direct First Man because that's not really a Damien Chazelle film, is it? I can barely remember it. Is First Man the... Ryan Gosling on the moon. Yeah, I can, I can only just remember that movie. It's, so. pretty, un, it's pretty forgettable. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not... It's fine. It's well acted. Mm. My sense is he got the money for this film from doing that. So you bail us out here. We'll give you that to do this. And you can have largely carte blanche because this screams at the lack of producer. I know we sometimes lament, oh, it's studio interference. feels like the studio should have fucking interfered in this movie. And hacked about mm, half an hour out. Yeah, I agree. It just feels like a real wild swing for the Academy Awards and it's going to fall short in most capacities, I think. You know what it was? I think it was a worse Gatsby. I've never seen Gatsby. Yeah, well, Gatsby is all about Hollywood. Is about Hollywood, like those parties and right. the great Gatsby and this and that. But it was handled a lot better by okay. your mate Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann, fuck. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, look, I expected more from Damien Chazelle. I love La La Land. I love Whiplash. Whiplash um, amazing. La La Land's not my kind of thing, but I totally understand people love it. This is him it. doing Hollywood glamour, and frankly, I think he should stick to the drama because he's really good at that. Mm. Although La La Land was very glamorous too. I don't know. Something went down. Something went wrong. It's just not engaging enough. The characters. You don't really like enough of them enough to really care when things happen to them. That's true. Fucking, you're meant to hate, I guess you're meant to hate Nelly by the end of it because God, she's she's hateable. I'll tell you who I hated. Sorry. I liked this character and then I was like, you punk ass bitch. Fucking Manny. Oh, God. He's obviously in love with her, but yeah. he gives up everything for her. And I'm like, dude, at some stage yeah. you need to slap a bitch away. Well, say, at some stage you need to say, you're on your own. Sorry. Exactly. It's like, no, no, no. Well, you come over here. Hey, I'm into everyone for like 80, 80 grand or whatever, which back then would be like fucking three well, million. Well, I actually was going to do that math in my head, enough, or not my head, but on a on yeah. inflation calculator. That must be like three million dollars. For real. For real, three million. Like an unattainable amount of money, right? And then for him to say, listen, I need you to somehow obscure, you know, procure. And there's some random dude. It's the drug dealer. On a set. It's, it's the, the drug, drug dealer. dealer. Yeah, I've got the money. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. Count of it. Where do you think it was going to get? Very Tarantini, yeah. right? So, like, yes, very. That, and that, again, those there are shining moments in this film, but we just had to cut everything else out. Do you think? And we we mentioned it, but Nelly's sequence in that ten minutes, amazing, incredible. When the, she's trying to do the first talkie scene on, uh, for yep, kino- yep. kinescope. That, that was probably the best scene in the film. Amazing. Yeah. Just watch that 10 minutes and, and go home yeah. after that the point. The guy really. in the booth fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck? That's played for laughs. It's, it's excellent. The, the, and, and honestly, like if he just did that like three times <laughs> or something and then cut an hour out of the movie, it would have been all good. But yeah, I don't know. Nelly walks away from, from Manny after accepting his proposal for marriage and they're going to escape to Mexico together and they're going to get married. And then she just wanders off into the darkness. And, and then we see a, a quick snippet saying she's dead at 34. Meaning someone capped her? Or meaning well, that, that was she... going to be my question too. Did she just die of a drug overdose? Was she killed by the same guy who burst into the apartment and killed the drug dealer and his housemate, but not Manny, which was another why? strange Can he ask, turn. Why did that happen? That's he a, knew who Manny that's was. A, that's a shit riding moment as far as I'm concerned. But he has wasn't, no, he has wasn't no, earned at all. No, he has no reason to let Manny go. We don't go. know this character. We don't know this hitman. The only reason is that he thought Manny wasn't... He t- killed two guys and he thought he killed the proper two guys and Manny... W- but that's not the case. You don't no. send a hitman after someone without giving him a photograph. No, and because he cries, he lets him live. That is shit. Like, and the guy he's working for, we've established a complete homicidal maniac. Yeah. Like, there's no way you risk your life. Exactly. And also, I... I you Unless it's in a really shit film called Reap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that she must have killed the girl because she wasn't ODing at the time. There was a, a, I didn't read this, but in an article or a review online, it was saying she died in her bedroom at home. So it doesn't imply she was killed at that time, at that night. So she so made it out. Don't know. It doesn't say she was shot to death or whatever. Well, she's probably like two days from ODing anyway. Exactly. So. Exactly. 
anyway, the point is, like, I guess you don't. But, like, I guess the bigger point is we don't care that much. It was even strange that Jean Smart's character just gets killed in an obituary as well, just for, for shits and giggles. At like one moment, she's at Jack's. And I knew he was going to kill himself, by the way, Jack. Did it was you? very obvious from that whole one shot in the way. He's like, here, here's, here's all your money, money yeah. and it's all for you now. And yeah. yeah. Um, so I wasn't at all shocked at that moment. But then just her character gets killed as well. Why? Why the, the flash up of her obituary? Was she killed or did she die? No, she died. She died actually. Okay. Eh, I don't know. That's just like the end of Hollywood press going, I don't know. I, again, we don't know. It's not good enough to tell, to tell us and give us a point. And that's the problem with the film. I just think, yeah, it was basically plotless. I just plotless, did not enjoy this plotless movie. Plotless and kind of pointless. Level. But it was so well made at other levels. So that's why I landed on a very mid-tier grade. Hit it. All right then. So my final score for Babylon is a 57. <laughs> I think mine's exactly the same. Hey! 57. Yeah. All right. It's better than average in terms of production, oh, but yeah. should have been so much better. If you just do it on the technical aspects of this film, it's an 80. Yeah. You go on the story of the film and how it makes you feel, other than, the, the I guess, the crappy ending is mm. part of the story. It's like a 20. Yeah. Yeah. It's shitty. Okay. Yeah. Don't recommend it. Uh, yeah. I don't recommend it unless you're into these kinds of things. If you're a fan of cinema, I still only slightly recommend it. Do you know what I mean? If you're like, if you're like Gerald... Ask. Three hours and nine minutes. Some people love going to the cinema and go to gold class and get your food and get your thing halfway through. You need to. That probably would help. Oh, school. let's talk about this. Everyone pissed all the time oh, during this I trailer. I've mention this. I've never... Not trying to do the screening. Sorry, screening. I've never seen... And I get it. It's sat, a long we film. We sat on an aisle. So every time someone walked well, down, we noticed. we noticed, right? But like, but it oh was every 12 seconds. God, it was just constant. Even I only pissed once. Yeah, you did. I can confirm. But, <laughs> but I'm thinking of back to Avatar. I saw that. Bugger all people got up and went and took a piss. Maybe that means something, Paul. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that, you know, I could probably miss this part. Boom, off you go. So, yeah, it's a pissy film, baby. There we are. That's our review of Babylon. What did you think? Did you love it like Gerald or did you hate it worse than us? Let us know via email at countdownpodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at the Countdown PC. You can like and follow the show through Podbean where we host. Check out the Facebook list community links in the show notes to get involved in discussions about the show and all things that we cover. And finally, countdownpodcast.com for our website and all associated links. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. You can't handle the truth! Damien Chazelle, no one gives a shit about your fucking email. We'll catch you next time. Bye! See you.